When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com, where uh, we've given Bob the day off. I mean... Uh, actually, he's going to come join us uh, for a little bit of a uh, hoops preview for the Big 12 Championships uh, tournament that's going on. And, uh, it, I mean, kudos to, to Bob Prisbillo. I mean, what a miserable existence he's lived since uh, the season started. It's finally almost over. Although, as Eddie pointed out, if they win them all, the NCAA won't be able to keep them out. It's fact and fact. Uh, they got to win four you, games. Four games in a row. They got to win. Uh, yeah, they got to win four games in a row. They haven't won back-to-back games since December seventeenth and twentieth of last year. So they haven't done it in the calendar year. But I fully expect them to win four games in a row going into uh, Kansas City at the T-Mobile uh, Center this week. So yeah, good luck to them. Bedlam edition number three coming up uh, Wednesday night eight thirty. Everybody's pretty jazzed about it. Uh, Josh McQuiston joining us uh, from his homestead. Uh, Josh, how are we doing this week? I'm great. I'm wondering why we're half-assing it, though. Four? Four games? Eleven. Let's just let's get this team through 11 straight wins, and they can cut down the nets, and everybody's happy, and Porter Moser is, you know, got this program right where we think he does. I don't appreciate your patronizing of <laughs> Oklahoma basketball, but that's the type of attitude that they're going to need. Tanner Groves coming off of his uh, maybe his best game of his career in his final home game at Oklahoma oh. with 23 and uh, I, I don't even remember what it was 23 and 10 23 and 13 something like that. Uh, George Stoya is joining us uh, his first full foray into the podcast uh, without uh, without Bob so uh, more airtime for you maybe uh, I I I think I might be putting an end to uh, conference room uh, sm- uh, not small talk but just uh, banter. As uh, George admitted some things to me yesterday about uh, his his mom and his dad and their well one of their concerns about you on this podcast uh, of course your mother uh, apparently is trying to raise you right you're not raised yet completely apparently uh, your dad is all for you dropping f bombs on this podcast and your mom is very concerned about it yeah um, and drunk pods she's very concerned about drunk pods yeah that was part right, of the I drive, I'll drive I'll drive back to downtown <laughs> Oklahoma City that was part of the uh, contractual ag- agreement was uh, no no drunk pods according to my mom so yeah we've we've been sharing we, I'm a weekend now and we've been sharing uh, family secrets now on the pod so now uh, Karen Radosevich is one of my favorite people on this earth she has single-handedly kept Sooner Scoop store afloat that's right uh, she is. Uh, she. I'm not kidding. I think Karen Radosevich is the leading, uh, leading customer 
in in sales well, it's not dollars. all for the family it's there's it, she it gets, buys it gets a lot of shit out. and i love it it gets spread out amongst the uh you it's know to go back to chicago yeah and, it's going everywhere the, the the sooner scoop brand is rather strong uh so can we talk about what's your mom's name just so we can when we when we address her we know uh trish Oh, it's another Trish. I know a lot of Trishes. Uh, Trish the Dish, actually. Uh, which well, you is, can't steal that from Barry Tram. My dad's been calling her Trish the Dish since the beginning of time, and it's it's a it's a thing that he wants to bring in with Barry himself at some point. Did you did you say that they met in Bartlesville, or they were from no, Bartlesville? They met on Campus Corner, right? They, they met at o, the original O'Connell's, but they're both from Bartlesville. Okay, I was born in Bartlesville, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, my dad went to Sooner High, which is no longer there it's now just one high school uh, i think just bartersville high school but did he know the drummonds i have no idea i'm sure terrible people the drummonds <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know i don't know who I'm they serious. are no you know comment drummond the pioneer woman oh oh her uh i i think my family knows them i'm not sure we have disavowed um, the uh the drummonds on the uh the morning show we'll period, to, because she wouldn't really? she, she wouldn't invite us up to do the uh Show from Pawnee or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, from the uh, whatever they call the uh, kitchen place up there. So we are full on Trisha Yearwood. Is people. it Pahuska? Pahuska. That's okay. right. Yeah, that's right. That's well, the area. Yeah. The only reason I know about her is because when I was a kid, we didn't go on the big fancy spring break trips. But one spring break, my mom was like, we're going to go to Pahuska to see the Pioneer Woman. Oh, man. And, uh, I was, I think, I was in high school. I think you told me that your mom's big into the diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah, as well, oh yeah, yeah. Which she's, I love. Yeah, she's into that stuff. And so we went out there. I thought when she said Pioneer Woman, I thought it was just like a big statue. Like we were gonna go see like a statue <laughs> of a of a Pioneer of like Woman, like a lady from the old no. west. Yeah, like you know that she was on a, a Conestoga wagon or something. Yeah. Instead, we sat in line for some cooking supplies for like two hours, and I was like, "This is the worst." And the line was like out the door. Yeah, I was like, "This is the worst spring break trip ever." I mean, that's when you got a real racket going is when people are lined up to buy stuff. Like they will wait in a line to buy stuff. That's when you know you're successful. Yeah, it was like fifty year old white women just all lined up to go buy this, you know, this special pan or something. And I was like, "Why did I'd why love do we do to this?" Know how many of our listeners, like myself, just felt extremely dated when George, like, I was in, you know, like, I was in high school and went over to see the Pioneer Woman. Like, I'm like, she's been only a part of my adult life. Like, I have no, like, that woman was not a thing when I was anything less probably than a father. So I'm like, good Lord, I'm old. Like, it was just a, that was a jarring thing to think about here. And I know it's totally honest and real, but... It's yet another uh, reality of how much older I am than than young and talented George. Isn't isn't Dree Rumman like she isn't she built her empire kind of just on like old Red Book recipes or Reader's Digest? Do they have recipes in those things? I have the no only, idea. She's not like a chef or anything. She's just a home cook. Like it's just like yeah. she's, on, she's on TV though, isn't she? She does. She's on Food oh, Network. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she has her own yeah, show like on Sundays, and that ruins my whole Sunday. When that's she um, she only has one recipe that I make, and I you know I, I cook a fair amount in our house. She's got a chicken masala that I make pretty regular. That it's really really good. I think that, that should be a, uh, maybe a that should be a summer scoop <laughs> HD uh-huh. uh, special. Is cooking with Josh in the kitchen? Uh, oh my god! Oh, he's yeah. got the perfect kitchen setup for it. Yeah, he's got that big oh, island. Yeah, yeah. we our get multiple camp is... camera angles. In, like, cause we had a big one in our old house, and my wife and Tiffany was always kind of sad, like, "Oh, we're gonna lose this one." 
I think this thing's bigger. It's huge. Like we, she's got it. She has to find these things and perfect to tie into what we're talking about. She'll go over to all, like the round top and all the little, like, just like what you're talking about, Georgia pioneer woman, like we're all the, you know, mothers and from whatever age to the next, I'm not, I was not going to say middle age in reference to my wife. Cause she will listen and I will hear that shit. But like, and she has to buy these massive decorative things to put in this island because anything else, like a normal bowl that would go in the middle of an island or a table, it looks stupid. Like, it looks ridiculous. So she has to find these things. And now we've got a piece that, like, it may be the door from the Titanic that old girl was floating on. Like, it's humongous. And it just looks like it belongs on our island. It's it's the weirdest damn thing ever. But, yeah, so... Totally important conversation we're having for everybody to listen to. I could, I, I'm, well, I'm just going to go ahead and put in the rundown. You can start listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait a little bit longer because I have in one fact, more question. I've been here the entire time, and I'm not even listening. <laughs> I, I have one more question for George about uh, Trisha. Is it Trish or Trisha? Trish. Trish. Uh, is she, like, where does Oklahoma play? They play at Baylor next year, right? Uh, no, they don't. Or play they don't Baylor. play Baylor. They don't play Baylor, Baylor next year. Was, was your mom hoping to like go on the road trip with you to go the, to Magnolia Farm or whatever that place is? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, Yet another white woman that people stand in line to give her money. Yeah, no, I mean, I maybe she would say that, but I'm not sure. I was going to say we need to just have her on the podcast, and I'm sure she would have some some really good stuff to say. Um, she's going to be mad that I even brought, brought her up, or I guess you you're the one that brought her up. Yes. But. Uh, but yeah, that's actually, Eddie will tell you, that's a tradition. We piss people's, you know, families off early on in their pod careers. Well, I was, I was going to say she needs to meet baby incident. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about, uh, and now this, she needs to meet, uh, Tiffany because it sounds like they're pretty similar. Cause when I was moving into my apartment, my mom kept asking, Oh, do you want to buy these nice plates and all these things? I was like, I just need paper plates and (laughs) Plastic, you know, silverware. You're going through Dillard's. Like, yeah. I'm not registering for a wedding, Mom. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't need any of this stuff. Have we ever pissed Tiffany off, by the way, Josh, about anything? <sighs> Linda. Linda. I, I Linda. I Linda. absolutely have. I, you got, um, I she have was said, very mad about Linda, us talking about her, I remember. She was worried that Linda was, like, somehow going to hear it. I'm like, I can't think of anything that would be less on Linda's radar <laughs> than our podcast. But Linda was, was his more, housekeeper, uh, by the way. I said something once about one of her family members. Like She's like, you can't say that. They listen. And I was like, okay, well, that, all right, fair enough. So I have left that, that member of the family out. Like it was, and it was like a mundane little, like, you guys didn't even notice it or react to it. And I was like, okay, we'll just leave that out. That's the only time I've ever gotten in trouble for anything. And I say a lot of stupid shit on this podcast. Sorry, Trisha. So, Trish, Trish. All right. Uh, well, it uh, now, Eddie. Uh, it is now time for your enjoy, uh, in, your enjoy vision, fresh perspective. Look around. I've stumbled because we're changing the name a little bit. Uh, no more of the look back, look ahead. It's the enjoy vision, fresh perspective. Look around uh, as we take a look at all the things that have happened uh, last week and this week. The baseball team seems to be getting it together a little bit. They took what two out of three at, against Ryder. Eddie, and uh, now they're playing what you term a terrible UNLV team. They're not a good UNLV team. <laughs> they, they had, like, I think through their first 13 games, uh, they've had, like, 27 errors? 27 or 28 errors? I think they went into yesterday with 26. It doesn't matter. They're not very good. Oh, you should win. 
uh, Wednesday, finish off a two short midweek uh, sweep of the Rebs. And, uh, you know, as, as I guess, quote unquote, as poor as things started for Oklahoma, uh, they would have won if they can win on Wednesday. That, that'd be what? Six of seven. And you start kind of getting into a, a portion of the schedule where uh, you can really rack up wins, especially on the front part of the Big 12 schedule. Uh, got Stanford coming to town, which is going to be a big series. Oh, so, wow. Uh, offensively, they're starting to come together. Jackson Nicholas was on base five times yesterday. He was four for four. He's up over, I think, 330. I think he enters today hitting like 334. So, uh, you know, an offense that kind of got out of the gate slowly is starting to take form of, I think, what a lot of people thought they were going to be. The pitching's going to just kind of be a work in progress. But if you're scoring a bunch of runs in the uh, world of college baseball, you're going to be in every game, and they should be, uh, you know, that should be the case for them. All right. Uh, also, uh, basketball gets a win over TCU in the final home game. Cray. Uh, they did not have their ceremony after, which was a good idea. You always have it before the game, OSU, always. Uh, and uh, now they move on to the uh, Big 12 tournament. We'll have Bob Persbillo uh, joining us here in just a bit to kind of break it all down. As, mm-hmm. uh, they are playing. This is a Wednesday we're recording. They're, they're playing uh, this evening. Uh, right. It's Bedlam, uh, and Oklahoma State's had their number all season. Uh, it looks like softball is uh, continuing on. We've we've had some rain in the area uh, last 24 hours, uh, but it you know it's supposed to clear up. I think after it's going to rain all night tonight, but then weekend should be good. But uh, softball is is after that UCLA win, they're just kind of rolling along. They've won nine in a row, and all of a sudden are 17 and one on the year. I think the demise of the softball program was a little bit exaggerated. They go down and start. It was a, what was a four-three loss to Baylor. Yeah, it was four-three, I mean, and they gave up a three-run homer. And they're pitching. They've, they've been. They you know they they hadn't had their pitching really figured out. I mean, Jordy Ball had been struggling with walks and things like that. Uh, but uh, no, the Enjoy Vision Fresh Perspective Look Around is uh, brought to you by Enjoy, which uh, Eddie Radosevich is. Uh, I've done LASIK a long time ago. I think it's a fantastic. You should go procedure. back in and get it again. Just if Enjoy wants to have me, we'll, we'll talk about it. But you've actually been in recently uh, and had it, and you're a guy that I know you've forgotten, like, contact uh, uh, cleaner and stuff when we've been on the road, and oh, you yeah. had to scramble to go get some. It sucks. It's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a terrible existence of having to track that stuff down on the road. But you don't have to do that anymore. I don't. I got it right before I actually went up to Omaha for the College World Series a year ago, and uh, it's been one of the best decisions that I've made. Uh, enjoy Vision. They use uh, Laser Vision Center in Oklahoma City. It's one of the best. It, it is the best one uh, out there. Their combination of mind-blowing technology, experience, eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care uh, was life-changing, and it is life-changing and it for is. me. So, uh, you know, all you got to do if you're thinking about it, if you're on the fence, just give them a shout. I, right now, they're giving four hundred dollars off to any Sooner Scoop unofficial forty listener. Just go to enjoywithme.com. Use promo code U forty. That is. The letter in J-O-Y, with me.com, promo code U40, enjoy vision. This is where you LASIK. It's been truly life-changing. Don't have to worry about putting glasses on when I, uh, you know, wake up from a slumber and have to go pee or do something like that. So it's it's actually kind of nice. And just the or simplicity. Or walk through a wall, maybe. Like literally literally the any. simplicity of laying in bed and watching television, which someday I'm going to be able to do once again at my home. Uh, it's just, it's nice. Not having to worry about, do I have my contacts in when I'm going to bed? Do I, am I going to fall asleep with my glasses? And then all of a sudden I wake up and I'm sleeping on top of them, which I've done before. So is that uh, the company's truck that I'm trying to burn down? Well, I mean, usually you want to make sure that you put the gasoline 
in the Molotov cocktail and then throw it. So, uh, you know, you might need glasses, though, to make sure that you're putting the, uh, the gasoline into the right spot into uh, the Molotov. So enjoy Vision. I'm sure they're going to love this one. Go hit them up. U40. Uh, what, can we get a quick progress update on the apartment? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's in the process. I, I would say, like, we are officially 100% in the thick of it as far as uh, the rebuild and the remodel and all that kind of stuff goes. So they've taken care of me. The fine folks over at uh, my apartment complex have been really good about kind of taking care of me. and um, Being I have scared no, of you at the same time. Yeah, a little bit. I have no qualms with them right now. Everything is uh, underway, and that's good to see. I did go up to my apartment the other day and... I mean, they took literally everything out of my apartment. It is a completely barren wasteland right now. I think we should give George like six months and then just have a flat-out apartment off. Like, who has the best crib? Uh, he probably does. I, I don't know. Right now, I don't even have anything in mind. Do you feel like... I a, got my couch yesterday. I, I know. So. I was going to ask, like, do you feel like a grown-up now? Like, you officially aren't, like, living in squalor. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I'm still living in squalor a little bit, but... Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I've now lived in so many different apartments the last few years. Hopefully, I'm not. That's the man that blocked me right there, Jeff Capel. He blocked all of us. ACC Coach of the Year. He blocked me, too. Right? He just, like, he, he auto-blocked yeah, he everyone at Sooner Scoop. Well, I think he blocked everybody that was on the Oklahoma beat at that time. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Like, it's not our fault that they sucked. To be completely honest. I think honest. he was mad at us because we were the first to report that he was getting fired. Like, if we didn't do that, it wouldn't have happened or something? Well, that that's a little bit of a personal issue with him because he was going to get fired. Uh, all right, continuing uh, on, uh, we're going to talk. It's our Enjoy Vision uh, fresh perspective look around. And uh, a lot of things, a lot of big things going on right now. We just had a junior day. We're going to get to that. But George and I yesterday spent uh, most of our day over at the uh, Board of Regents meeting. That was a... It was really good. I mean, you know, we had some other stuff going on. Uh, well, let's get into the other stuff real quick, George, because this is kind of how things are going to be working around here. It's like, I, you know, yesterday we had all heard kind of there was a fight over the weekend on Campus Corner and uh, involving some football players. And it was just kind of it was it was out there. And I know Eddie had been hearing from people. I'd been hearing from people. I'd hit up some, you know, some some sources and things like that. Uh, and, you know, some people had heard about it and others hadn't. And George uh, just contacted the Norman Police Department and said, hey, is there an incident report on Campus Corner from early Sunday morning? And uh, you got something with some football players' names on it uh, and, and another, another name on there. And there were some pretty serious-looking charges on this document that you were sent. And this all happens like right as we're in the middle of the Board, Re board of Regents meetings where they're getting ready to announce all the facility stuff. Uh, but, it, like, this is kind of how we work. When there are things that are out there that are rumors, we want to be ahead of them just because we're going to keep getting asked about it. So, you know, like yesterday this happened, you got the, the incident report, and we were like, who's this third guy? Uh, well, first off, why don't you kind of explain, George, kind of getting that report, what your thoughts were when you first saw it. And yeah. what, it, what it detailed. Well, and like, I, I think it's important to note too, like we all kind of got tipped off to it. I think it was Sunday that like I sent a message and Eddie had heard the same stuff. And, um, you know, it, it seemed like it was not a whole lot there. Uh, like we just had heard that maybe a couple of players were involved. 
And so I just reached out. I still had the phone number uh, to the Norman uh, Police Department. And, the you know, they have people over there that that's their job to deal with the media like us. So I just reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you have public a, information officers? Yeah. yeah, yeah, public information officers. And so um, I just reached out to them and they didn't get back to me really till um, I think it was Monday night. And then they got me the incident report on Tuesday. Um, and it's the, the incident report, which will become public here, I would assume sometime this week is what I've been told. Um, that it, it basically, the, the charges on there, it doesn't say who's charged with what. So it has the three names. And obviously the two OU football players, Jaden Gibson and Colin Montgomery, uh, were the ones on there and, and those pop out. But it doesn't say what they're charged with. And so we had to get clarification on, um, you know, what, what of who the side, did what? who did what, basically. Yeah. And, um, and on there it said, you know, public intoxication. And then it also had, you know, the assault and battery with a deadly weapon. Um, all of those charges, which is a very serious like, charge. And it also had the incident report on there about uh, what happened. And, the you know, uh, you know, the gun was being pointed at people and there was, an, you know, an incident, some fighting and all that stuff. And so I called the police department and they just told me, yeah, Jaden Gibson and Cole Montgomery were just basically um, tagged with public intoxication because they were in the area. Uh, they were interviewing people, and I, I think that I guess they weren't cooperating the way they See, wanted them to. Seen that once on Campus Corner, you've probably seen it a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, the fight, people come over, see what's going on, somebody runs their mouth, and then all of a sudden they end up in cuffs. I feel like I saw that happen or unfold almost every weekend that I was in college. Well, yeah, and it's like public intoxication. If it if we had found out that it's just a public intoxication, I don't think we would have cared much because sure. that just that happens, right? Everybody. Not everybody, but a lot of people get a public intoxication, especially when you're young and in college. But but it's uh, not every weekend when somebody's waving a gun, gun around. around. Yeah, and we just well, nowadays. To, I mean, it's America. Well, and the the name uh, that we won't we won't say, um, and eventually again it'll be public. But we just didn't know who he was, and so we're trying to figure out how is he connected to these is this guys. This a walk on, like right? You know, why are all three of these guys on this report if they're not somehow interconnected? Exactly, and so uh, that was kind of why. Um, you know, we didn't want to, you know, put anything out there until we kind of figured out exactly what it was. And then we wanted to make sure that we did put something out there that explained the situation. Because, again, when you see the report, when it becomes public, there's no cl clarification on who's charged with what. Uh, and so that's why it was kind of important to, I guess, just explain uh, what exactly happened and kind of what we what we heard. And so, yeah, essentially, Colin Montgomery, Jaden Gibson, public intox charges. Not not implicated at all in a in a fight or an assault or anything or anything with the gun, uh, and, and I know you were able to kind of clarify that the the police the Norman Police Department didn't feel like those two were involved with the guy with the gun, like they were it, at separate parties. Yeah, and it felt like almost sort of I don't want to say wrong place, wrong time because I mean you just have to be smart about you know where you're at, and and it sounds like maybe they um, you know were just kind of too involved at some point but uh like that it definitely felt sort of like wrong place wrong time for them and obviously they're both i believe underage and so that's why they ended up getting the pis is they were there in the area and the the cops were like oh you're clearly intoxicated and you're underage we're going to give you guys you know pis but from my understanding they had no involvement in the gun or the assault or really even what was going on with whatever fight happened so uh Unlike, I'm sure that they're going to get to know Jerry Schmidt very yeah, well yeah, here. Yeah. A little bit more personal than uh, maybe everybody else. 
Yeah. I mean, and you can you can see why we were a little bit panicked because, you know, Mikey Henderson did tell, tell us that, you know, trouble travels in threes at OU football. So, yeah. And again, I mean, the, the name that popped up sounded sort of familiar, but it wasn't. And then it's just like we we had to we did a lot of digging on who that was. Yeah. Uh, so it, it turned it out. I mean, again, it's just a public in talks and I, I'm pretty sure nothing else would come up, come of it. So thank God they weren't hanging out with Joe Mixon over the weekend. So I say something, and I thought, the, and I thought that, it was. Is that yeah, the weirdest? Like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a story that starts like that and then just hangs in the air and it doesn't advance at all. The Joe Mixon story. No, I, I mean I think it is the current world that we live in, where people throw shit out there and they don't wait for actual facts to come out because they want to get it on Twitter as soon as possible. But there were sheriff's deputies like putting tape around oh, his house and well, investigating. And somebody did get shot. Yeah, I just don't think that. I, I mean, I don't even know if he was there. I still don't. Days later, do we know that for a fact? No, there's no, there's nothing. I mean, there was that Fox 19 guy. Yeah, uh, that did a fantastic rendition of what the cops sounded like when they were looking for him, uh, but. Nothing has advanced since then. Like I, after we finished working last night, you know the Thunder game was on. I was here watching. I, I went home about the third quarter, and I, I started checking things before I went to bed. And I was like, I wonder what what has happened with the Joe Mixon thing. Sure. And there wasn't a single tweet, a post that hadn't already been there from when I woke up in the morning. Well, and that's why. I mean, I don't want to give like a journalism rant here, but like that's why I think sometimes our jobs are pretty hard when it comes to the police stuff because it's like. I'm sure they got that scoop about Mixon, and they're like, we, we need to put this up, and clearly there's not a ton of information still out there, but you got to try and share the information. It's the same kind of process we went through of, like, we got to put something out there. Right. You know? so, cause it's yeah, gonna I mean, come public at some point. Well, it's going to become public at some point, and then you kind of look like an idiot if you're sitting on something that you knew happened and you didn't report it right. as well. Well, so. that's what you know why we posted all that stuff on the board about sure. the, you know, the Montgomery and, and Gibson thing, because like George said, that's that's – it's really strange right now, like with the public part of the the Cleveland County Sheriff and the Norman Police Department. I'll have to ask somebody about why it's got this way, but it used to be that you just went to the Cleveland County Sheriff's desk blotter and you could see who got arrested the night before, and they don't have that anymore. So, and yeah, and I kind of asked about that. I guess it's just not updated as regularly. Like this is, I mean, I, this is what five four days removed since Saturday night, and there's still nothing out there. Um, so I. I'm assuming it'll be out there at some point this week is what I was told. Uh, but, you know, it, and so all of that played out. And this morning we kind of, you know, George kind of put an into it and then we, we posted about, but that was all happening at the board of regents meeting, which is, I, I really enjoyed going out there. Uh, I mean, it was like, I'm always surprised. I, I told this story this morning about Tom love and uh, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, to the love family. I mean, yeah, I, they're, they're, all uber rich and all that but i mean tom love like is literally one of the most genuine nicest people i've ever met and just knowing that he was a billionaire like that makes it even cooler like i remember going to gabe and caroline's wedding and i was out in the lobby and he started walking toward me reached out his hand uh and to shake mine and i said hey tom i'm carrie Rock. he's like i know who you are and I was like, wow, Tom Love knows who I am. That's pretty badass. Like, that was one of the few times I'm like, I guess I do kind of, I am kind of known. Like, so, I mean, 
it's it kind of one of those things like President Harris was out there and it was kind of the same thing. Like we were, George and I were talking to Joe Castiglione. He was like, Joe, do you know Carrie Murray? He's like, I know Carrie Murray. I was like, whoa. Like I, I wasn't in your, I wasn't a student in your law school. So I, I, that's pretty cool. But like Rick Broad is like a new uh, Board of Regents uh, member and he's from Duncan and I've known him all my life. So it was cool to get to talk to him. But cool just to spend some time talking to Joe as well. Uh, and on top of that, we got a lot of information about what's going on with facilities at Oklahoma right now, George. Yeah, um, I think I added up his like $388 million worth of stuff. And a lot of it had been approved before. And I know a right. lot, you it's know, confusing to, to people like yeah. when they see all that stuff. Like even the, the new football facility was approved at the previous Board of Regents meeting, but they kind of put a, a, an official price tag on it. And the way Joe explained it makes a lot of sense. Last one, they hired an architect to basically dream up what it might look like what it might cost and then this one they approved basically to hire a construction manager so it's just another step in the process uh, a lot of the other ones like softball baseball they've been approved in the past that the price just went up and so they just got more money basically approved to do those um, but yeah lots of lots of stuff going in I think the biggest one was obviously the, the football stuff um, because of you know the the type of facility that they want to build I mean the way Joe explained it in terms of you know, meeting rooms and uh, dining hall and two new practice fields, um, you know, office spaces. I mean, it's going to be a massive undertaking. And it also makes you kind of wonder, you know, where is that thing going to go? It makes sense to maybe put it over where the track is, um, you know. They're gone. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. I think that's what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, or the Duck Pond parking lot's going to disappear or maybe both. I think there's a chance both happens there. Um, well, you know, what's the future of the Everest Center? Those sorts of things. Uh, start entering your mind but it, it's going to take several several years before we kind of you know obviously until it's built and then i, I think it's going to be a while until we kind of figure out exactly what it's maybe going to look like yeah and i think another thing that you know people that are outside and they see that list of things and they're like well i thought the the everything was funded i thought the the loves field the softball facility was funded like they're actually building it right like they're moving dirt and I know for people that probably haven't been, you know, most people listening probably haven't even been in Norman since football season. But, like, you go over there right now, and it's just bulldozers and dirt. Like, yeah. they are really getting after it. So you're going to start – you're seeing some concrete forms being built over there. Uh, and they're just starting it. But, yeah, they're moving dirt for the softball stadium. Well, and I think the, um, the golf stuff is, I think – Somewhat underway, maybe it seems like. I need to uh, drive out by there and see. I know they're that's that's all road construction there on oh, okay. Constitution. I don't think that they've started on any of the uh, the co center stuff. Yeah, I know. I don't think they've started on gymnastics either. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I know that a lot of that stuff. From my understanding, it's softball. Then I think they're going to do the Lloyd Noble stuff, which we can get into that too um, if we want. But and then I think it's some other stuff. But the the. I think the bottom of the list is actually the football facility in terms of when things are going to get completed right, because that's yeah. a, a ma again it's going to be massive and 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 I know also Carrie you and I talked about that that West End Phase Two of the West Side of the stadium this won't have any effect on that I don't believe in terms of timeline um, you know it sounds like that's just basically been put on the back burner because they have so many other projects so we still don't have a very clear timeline like on when there might be a new press box or um, you know, whatever else they're planning to do on that west side. But uh, that what was talked well, about. Here's the game. This is your your new drinking game. What will come first? Lloyd Noble Arena being bulldozed or the west side uh, Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium? 
Well, yeah, and I, I made the the big mistake of asking Joe about the uh, <laughs> the uh, LNC uh, yesterday because he gave me basically, um, I think it was the longest answer he gave of the day, and and he just told me everything that's happened the last year since I've not been here, and gave us no answer. Basically, said they have not even decided yet if there's going to be a new arena or if um, you know they might do some renovations. It sounds like they might have some more clarity at the next Board of Regents meeting, which is in June. So. Um, there's no there's no decision there, but I do know that the nine and a half million dollar reservations that they're doing uh, to the uh, LNC, the team spaces, that has nothing to do with the future of whatever they decide to do there. And when Bob jumps on, we'll talk about why we love Porter Moser when he was asked about that very thing. So, um, outside of that, uh, you know, salaries were uh, either raises happened or extensions happened for just about everybody on staff. Yeah, um, I think the only one that was not extended was Ted Roof. I know a lot of people wanted to clamor about that. He did get a $50,000 raise that uh, was already worked into his contract. But yeah, I think it was about half and half. Um, you know, some guys got raises, some guys didn't. Um, if they didn't get a raise, I think they got extended is basically the way it worked. And I wouldn't be shocked if some of those guys that didn't get raises get raises maybe at the next Board of Regents meeting because that's usually when they do the contract stuff is the summer Board of Regents stuff. Um, but and for position coaches, DeMarco, I believe, was the winner at a hundred thousand dollar raise. Yeah, um, Jeff Lebby got one too. Yeah, but I would say coordinator versus oh, yeah. position coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think Joe, Brandon, Brandon Hall got one. Yes, he did. A little, um, little. I think I have it right in front of me, but it was like seventy five thousand or something. Fifty five thousand. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag. And then they also approved. Um, I mean, they were six Emmett, and seven, so. Yeah, and they, they also approved uh, Emmett Jones's new contract, which was, I think it's through 2025 and $550,000 a year, which is $100,000 more than what he was getting paid at uh, Texas Tech a year ago. Yeah, so, I mean, you could see three-year deal, $100,000 plus, I think he's got escalators probably in that um, as well, but, yeah, they, they paid to get him. I mean, they paid to snag him away from Tech for sure. Yeah, I was surprised Todd Bates didn't get a bump pay bump i think he was one of the ones that i he did get extended through 2026 which i think he he might be the only him and levy might be I mean, the only he's ones. making over five hundred sixty thousand, right yeah but i just thought he'd be or 650 i thought 000? he was like 720 or something like that i thought it was 650 i should have pulled it up i got it right here. here top bates is up yeah he's up two hundred twenty-five thousand to 665 oh well there you go. So, well, that I mean, would have been an escalator in his contract then and not something that was approved yesterday then because they didn't announce yeah, he a didn't raise. Get, yeah, he didn't get in a raise yesterday. That was That's the odd thing. The, the contracts are different than um, at least when I was here. And, and, sure. and maybe it's the way that they... I think it's basically the guys that have uh, bigger titles, the escalators were built into their contract. I like th Ted Roof. Yes, I think that yeah. is what it is. Yeah, and, and Levy... Gets a hundred thousand, or he'll be at two point one next year. He's at one point nine this year. Where does that put him? Uh, just on someone on put the list out the, other the day. OCs. He, I want to say he's like third in the country. I was going to say he has to be top five. Yeah, and um, you know what? I the way that they're recruiting on that side of the football, I think that you know it's obviously it's going to have to get better on the field. But uh, when you look in what what they did with Jackson Arnold, and not even just what what they did on the offensive side of the football, just as a whole with what he's done in the recruiting world. Uh, you know, the work that he did late with Peyton Bowen, things like that, I think it's completely worth it. You want Jeff Levy to be part of the program. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, and I noted it in the story, too. And, and Joe talked about it. They, they had several coaches that, you know, I, I know they were six and seven, but, uh, you know, there's there were several coaches that they thought, you know, you know, other schools were going to come after. Obviously, Alabama, uh, you know, sort of came after Jeff Levy. So, um, you know, they you kind of have to pony up in today's world. And sure. And uh, I think that, you know, I, I know everybody gets mad about the Ted Roof stuff, but um, he is the defense coordinator at Oklahoma and you know, you got to pay him quite a bit of money. So uh, that's just the way it works. Send off your entire order, uh, and you won't have to worry about delivery fees. You, you get great restaurant quality shipping. It's easy, just 10 minutes or less uh, to cook it. You take it out of the package, restaurant quality meal. I mean, it's really easy. Primeshrimp.com, go check it out. Avoid those ridiculous uh, delivery fees that just keep piling up on me, I know. Uh, I'm going to get more Prime Shrimp right now. And the thing about, you know, Levy, Josh, is I, I don't think, you know, the Jackson-Arnold stuff, it, it, there was never an issue there. He was always committed. But, like, behind the scenes, we've kind of learned, like, Jeff Levy is a dogged recruiter. Like, he is he is out there fighting, you know, scratching, clawing to get every kid. He, like, it's going to be tough to win battles against Jeff Levy, and, and he's not going to just let go easily if, he, if someone says, I'm going here. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that because it's not just and it's not just the offensive guys. It's not Jackson Arnold. It's not Caden Green. It's not just the premier offensive guys. Like you'll see coordinators how they kind of recruit sometimes. That's not the way he operates. I mean, over the weekend he was retweeting, you know, Williams Moneri his his tweet about his visit weekend. That's a defensive lineman. I mean, Jeff Levy has no real connection to him, but he is. You know, you talk to people that are around him and around that program, that's a guy he wants. If he can help, if he can give an extra 1% to Oklahoma's chances, he's going to do it. He is just very, very active as a recruiter and is going to help with any guy he thinks he can help with. And, you know, you hear stories where he's just like, you know, what what can I do? Where, where can I be in this thing? And it's not a power thing. Like, he's just – he know I think he knows he's a good recruiter and he <clears throat> excuse me he puts it to use. All right, uh I mean outside of that uh, you know George did you have any other takeaways just about anything that Joe said yesterday? I mean he gave us a I don't know what was that about 25 30 minutes after it was over to to talk about things. Yeah, no, I I really like Joe a lot and uh I think he's a great athletic director, but uh when it comes to media stuff, he's you know, he's very uh, formal. Calculated. Yes. And so, uh, you know, it's 25 minutes, um, which is great. I appreciate the time. But, uh, you know, 20 some of those minutes, it's like, okay, where's the good stuff in here? And um, so it's kind of hard. That happens at the that. back of the room when the cameras aren't on him. <laughs> yes, <basically>. exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, we got some good stuff. I mean, he talked a little bit about SEC scheduling. I know everybody's kind of clamoring about that after, you know, Ross Dellinger put out that um, basically he... I think they're kind of guessing on what it's going to look like or kind of what they're hearing, what it might look like. He just said nothing's official, which is what Joe's going to say. Um, you know, you know, and I, I believe him. I believe it's not official yet, but it definitely seems like things are t- sort of trending toward what we've heard of, you know, Texas, Missouri and, and Florida. But uh, obviously he was not going to sit there and confirm that. So it'll be interesting to see when, you know, that might get figured out. But other than that, you know, not really. I, I think that, you know, it's just kind of a, again, like I wrote, uh, a signal that they're 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 gearing up for uh, this move to the SEC with you know the new facilities and then um, you know 
giving their coaches the the bumps um you know i think also says they still believe in this this uh this uh this coaching staff so sorry eddie's eddie's sitting here watching um Syracuse Wake Forest. Yeah, we got we uh, got money all over the place right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, is like 175 bucks. Like that is, it seems like a lot of money. Obviously, for like just a football only facility, like Florida, I know that million. Like yeah, uh, okay. 175. I was like 175. Is that 175 you know million? 175 okay. million. Like I know that uh, what's his name, Matt Baker, had yeah. quote tweeted your tweet coming out on Monday when we were talking about like just the the uh, board of regents meeting on the docket or whatever in Florida. Calling, just, uh, are you calling Oklahoma co- uh, construction companies crooks? Is that what we're hearing? No, I'm, I, I just wonder like how awesome this facility is going to be. Well, yeah. And if you go watch, it's a cause you shit ton of money. If, I mean, to, they're out spending Florida by 25 million. Yeah. And if you, if you go watch the, uh, the, there's a video on YouTube of the Florida facility. It's fantastic. And looking, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And I'll just tell you too, it says 175 million. It's guaranteed to go up. It's just like sure, all those sure, other yeah. projects. Like the money's just going to keep. It's just well, going to get. It's also more crazy to me that like OU football has not had two 100 yard fields. Like yeah. that's insane to me that. And that was something that you know when they were talking about having to like even I've heard Teddy Lehman talk about this as far as just the the little amounts of time that you have with guys during the summer. It takes time for guys to run from the Switzer Center over to the indoor facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how nice is it going to be when you can just walk outside and get right back into what you guys are doing? Well, I, I hope they build a... Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, Eddie, because uh, I wonder if, if they build that facility over there right by the track and it's just massive right there. What if they built a, a little sky bridge over Jenkins? God, that'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome? They so, already have a couple in the if, Big 12. But it wouldn't be as beautiful as one on ASP. Well, yeah, that, I mean that's true. That's that's always going to be a pipe dream, though, because we got to build it tall enough uh, for medical emergency vehicles to get through ASP. That's why you can't have a sky bridge right now. Hmm, interesting. I've I've done the homework on okay. it. I've asked about it before. Yeah. No, but I, I and here's the thing: people have to realize, like, when you're talking about a, a new football facility, you're talking about taking everything that they use now in the south end zone and putting it there—the weight room, the locker room. Uh, meeting rooms, team meeting rooms, uh, you know, uh, like equipment room, laundry, all that stuff. Like that's all going to be, and they'll they'll be adding other stuff. Like you had the quote in there from Brent uh, that was like from back in twenty twenty two. Like was that like April? Yeah, a year ago. Nineteen, uh, and he was talking about you know that back then Clemson had just finished like the first ever NIL facility. I think that'll be a part of it too. Like you put like podcasting studios in there and things like that for the players. Like those are the things that they will be thinking about in that 175 million that will go into it. And then, you know, the South end zone. you know, he was asked yesterday about support staff and things like that. Like the support staff has gotten so much bigger. Like you need more room for them as well. Well, yeah. And that's what, you know, we kind of talked about that too, is that, it's the the amount of people working right now in the Switzer Center is is massive. I, I can only imagine. I bet a lot of those guys don't really have a ton of office space. So this new place would would be you know offices for that. And then it sounds like the Switzer Center will basically open up for other you know um, athletes to use, not just football players. And they kind of use it now, but it sounds like it's going to be even more so used for um, other sports. So I, I am I do wonder if Brent gets to keep that nice big fancy office up there. I was thinking about I bet that. I screwed out of that, yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 that's I one think, thing I would not give up. That thing's awesome. Although I would say, like, 
it is awesome. Like they went way overboard on that thing. Like you, yeah, nobody needs an office. I mean, that's two offices. I mean, like they, you could, if not for that giant window, you could you could put a wall there and it'd still be the two biggest offices in the building. Yeah, and I know I know I back when I toured the Switzer Center when it first opened. Like I said, it's it's really nice in there and stuff. But you know, even Joe said it's it's you know five years, six years old, however old it is. You've got to start upgrading that stuff. That's just the reality, especially if you want to be a successful football program. I mean, A and M just approved a, a two hundred million dollar facility. So um, you know that's what you're competing with, and and you just have to have to build those sorts of things. And I think also moving to the SEC, they're going to get more money. I mean, we've we've talked about that too. Sure. So. Is there one thing that like OU just doesn't have right now that they really need? Uh, a slide like Clemson. <laughs> That's a winning record. Yeah, winning record. What if they built uh, like one of those trains like you rode as a kid, like you know wherever to you're... like take people around campus yeah. and stuff, like a trolley. <laughs> yeah, a trolley kind of. I mean, it'd probably like get you more. Sat on it. It'd definitely get more use than the uh, bullshit thing they have in downtown Oklahoma City. You don't like the transit system down there? I've literally never been on it. I mean, there's no, but there's no reason to. I've been on it. Have you? Yeah, I got on the one that took you all the way around downtown, though, instead of the one that took you around Bricktown. Yeah, unless you're coming from, like, you know, Midtown to go to the P, I mean, the Paycom Center, there's really, truly no reason to get on that thing. Like, you you can't go out by the Jones. You can't go up to, like, uh, what's it called? Um, well, I guess you can go to... Uh, automobile alley but it, it's neither here nor there they should have if they really wanted i have an entire spiel about this if they really wanted to do it they should have done like the dart train from like edmond to oklahoma city in a long line and yeah. you could have taken it yeah. like up to 23rd street and you could have taken it north of 23rd street up to 63rd if you wanted to like it just doesn't make any sense the way they did it. i think but. eddie needs to run for mayor of oklahoma city that's well, the next i mean step. They, we are i have so much trust in the current panther that is in office right now in uh david holt uh, you can skip it. You know. and just go to governor. Well, I I talked to uh, the lieutenant governor this morning, Matt Pinnell, and uh, we have some fun things in store. Uh, all right, it is time to uh, let our good friend Bob Presbillo jump in here <laughs> as the uh, Sooners get ready to play uh, Bedlam again tonight. Third third go around, eleven in a row. That's all they need, Bob. Uh, That's it. Bob, Wait. is this just another mismatch? I mean, Oklahoma State's not been playing well. Kyle Boone's not been playing well. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like if there is ever a time for Oklahoma to beat Oklahoma State, tonight's the night. Yeah, and the one dramatic difference with OU compared to who they were in the first two Bedlam games is the development of the freshmen, of Miles Uzan, of Otega, like, those guys are playing at a much higher level compared to what they were during these first two games. Now, it doesn't change anything about OSU just being inc incredibly big. And if Tanner Grove gets two fouls in the first three, four minutes of the game, that is going to be a disaster. There's nothing you can really do about it. But this does feel, as a lot of the games have felt throughout the course of the conference season, a very winnable opportunity but can they deliver a back-to-back -back outing? They haven't won back-to-back -back <laughs> games in 2023. That wow. sounds ridiculous to say. But can tonight be the start of it? It it does probably help from an Oklahoma perspective that Tanner Groves is coming off of his best game, uh, maybe in a Sooner uniform. But I, you know, I'm very intrigued to see how Grant Sherfield 
place tonight without Avery Anderson on the floor. Avery did a tremendous job just locking up Grant. I mean, Grant had 15 points in the first half of the first game in Stillwater, and then Avery shut him down the next three halves. And that's kind of how the story went between the two teams. That first half in Stillwater, very good for OU. They're up six at the break. And ever since, it's just been a domination by the Cowboys. Now, what OSU's been able to do, they've been able to find the offense with Avery out. They're able to adjust in that regard, and Porter Moser gave uh, given them a lot of credit for what they've been able to do with that. But defensively, yeah, if there's a chance that Grant Sherfield can bust out of it against the Pokes, tonight would be the night. You know, and we're we're gonna know early. I mean, you sort of know with Grant if he hits, you know, one of his first couple shots, it carries over to the rest of the team. It carries over to the way that he approaches the rest of the game in terms of rebounding, in terms of ball movement, and it's just so pivotal. It sounds ridiculous to say someone who's as old as Sherfield is and the, the battles that he's been in, but if he doesn't make shots early, it affects everything else. And so if he makes a shot here or there, and if Tanner Groves doesn't have a foul within the first 10 minutes of the first half, you're going to feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident about what could happen throughout the rest of the game. I got to tell you, uh, got some OSU friends. They're all kind of of the same mindset, which is we've dominated this team all year. Now we're going to play him in the Big 12 tournament. We're not playing well. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to have to watch Oklahoma knock us out of the NCAA tournament tonight. Like, the woe is me crowd is strong right now with some of my OSU friends. I mean, it just yeah, it's, it sets up that way that, you know, you, you set them up to knock them down. And OSU fans feel like they've been in this position so many times before. Yeah, just the way they've played the last three, four weeks. Not very encouraging. They went from, you know, being solidly in the tournament to being on the bubble to being the last, you know, four in. And now they're on the outside looking in before any of the craziness starts to happen. Before you start having bid stealers take away a team that might have been able to make it. And I think they know deep down that even a win in Bedlam doesn't do it. They'll have to beat Texas on Thursday night to really be able to say that they can punch their uh, ticket and the way that they've played lately just doesn't suggest they're going to be able to flip their switch either, which could make for an interesting game. It could make for a very sloppy, disgusting, ugly game too with two teams that have been so inconsistent throughout the course of the year. But it, it is a game, you know, as Portmore would say, you know, you just got to win that first one. Can't do anything about – Thursday, Friday, Saturday, can't worry about minute restrictions, fatigue. None of that matters Thursday, Friday, Saturday, clearly, if you don't win the first one. And so win one game in a row, four days in a row, and you can punch your ticket. All right, the weather is starting to change. It's getting a little bit warmer. Uh, and it is time for you to think about your sock collection because with that weather change, you're changing socks as well. Uh, what did, what did, what's your sock collection look like? Is it is it ratty? Or is it is you got white socks that are turning gray? Uh, you got you got elastic that no longer is you know holding anything up. Go to deadsoxy.com. D e a d s o x y. 
Lots of great colors. The team colorways, obviously, they've got an entire crimson selection. The Maker Bayfields are back. Uh, and right now, if uh, you're, you you go to that checkout, even on sale items, enter that co- code SCOOP, you'll get 25% off your entire order. Uh, and hey, try out the no-show socks. They're a no-brainer. The boardroom dress socks, great if you need to dress up. I went to a board regents meeting the other day. Uh, and I looked better than everybody else because I had my uh, boardroom socks on to go with my uh, nice pants and shoes. So uh, don't be a slouch. Get out there. Get you some high-quality socks. New releases in the no-shows. Uh, the, the silver britches, those are pretty cool. Uh, even though nobody will see them, you'll know you got on great socks. Deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Use that promo code SCOOP. Get 25% off your entire order. And as always, stay soxy. I think during the uh, d- the dark period of what was OU basketball here about a month ago, uh, yes, uh, yeah. when I was ready to fire everybody and maybe even arson the Lloyd Noble Center, uh, probably a little overreactionary uh, in in hindsight. But I do think that like once we've been able to kind of they've been able to get out of this rut and you start looking back at the growth and the development specifically of the two freshmen, uh, there's a lot of positives there with. Otega Owe and Losu's on like from a future standpoint I know that obviously they're going to need to go out and get some answers in the portal uh, you have to like what they have in the backcourt especially if you're looking at you know two three years down the road and you know obviously they got to win now and they got to win uh, next year you know there might not be a future for a lot of these guys yeah and you look at Caden Cooper coming in might be one of their best recruits they've had in a long long time but it's another you know guard or you know wing forward it's not anyone in the post it's got to be the portal and i mean i guess it helps that you know like that's what you have to hit but that's going to be a hard spot just like i always said about in football you can find a receiver anywhere in the portal eventually you can find like a point guard or, or especially a shooting guard Anywhere in the portal. There's going to be so many of them. But to find a defensive tackle or to find a center for basketball, that's that's not as easy. That's going to be a challenge. And it just can't be a guy that is just part of your depth. It, that will not work. I know it's a crazy story, but about Tanner Groves scaring off a couple of people in the portal last spring. You don't have that. You have everything available to any power forward or center who wants to leave a mark that wants to come in immediately, be a, be surrounded by a solid nucleus in the backcourt, and they need to be the missing piece with the front court. So there's the options are, you know, the availability should should be there, but can they reel that sucker in? You know, they were so close a couple times. Last year with uh, a couple guys, and actually it didn't even matter. That's what's kind of like Rondell Walker, TCU, Kerwin Walton at Texas Tech. Those guys didn't end up having like monster seasons, but that's still, you know, when you feel confident, you've got to bring them in. And that's what Porter Moser and the rest of the staff will have to do with power forward, center. And then again, it's just going to be who's that surprising portal entry? You know, after feeling confident for the last month, that Jalen Hill was coming back. Start to hear things Sunday leaning toward the other direction. And then you start getting the Porter Moser 
Bragathon. He did that last year, if you remember, Eddie. He started bragging about Mo Gibson time and time again, yep. doing all he could. It's like, I need you to stay. That's what he did when I asked about Jalen Hill being snubbed at the all-defensive uh, team Monday. That was like a long answer of just how much Jalen Hill epitomizes a program guy. He's everything Porter wants the program to be and how great he is at defense, but better, he's even a better teammate. It's like he's doing all he can in a public setting. Say, I need you to come back for one more season. I, and I do think that he like he truly loves Jalen Hill and just the yes. way that he gave the answer to what you asked him about not being on the first team all defensive team. It's like I think from a from a guy that you know I'm starting to get an idea of what he wants his vision for the program to be. He wants those grinder type guys that are going to buy completely into the program and basically bust their ass on both ends of the floor. And I don't think there's a better example of that than somebody like a Jalen Hill. Cause that would just be a hard piece to try to find. Sure. You know, cause you, you already know it's like, okay, I gotta get power forward. I gotta get a center. But all of a sudden, if you lose some, something like that, probably equivalent to like a Mo Gibson or EJ Harkless from last year, it's like, Oh shoot. Now I really got to find something, some, somewhere, some experience, some production, I didn't think I was going to have to circle back and try to get. And, and that's kind of where we stand. I think you know, well, clearly, Tanner's out the door. I think C.J. Nolan, Grant, I think he hits the portal. I think Sherfield goes pro. I just think he's been around college way too long, and he's just looking for the next chapter and just kind of see where it goes from there. And then there's just those question marks. The Joe Bamisil, the Jacob Grove, is he going to stay now that Tanner's gone? You know, so Bijan, we know what he, you know, what he had just gone through the last uh, couple of weeks. I sat, sat here last Wednesday and said it didn't look like Bijan was going to play rest of the season based on Porter's answer. Bijan played that very night against Kansas State, and he played again Saturday, and he'll play again throughout the Big 12 tournament. So is that a way of keeping him in the fold because OU stood by him through his time of need? And, you know, because Porter always stresses, I want to grow old. This program's got to grow old together and you know if you only have to hit two or three in the portal compared to six or seven clearly that's a massive difference uh you know i i love porter for his honesty he just says you know things that probably ad's don't want him to say at times uh he did that back you know in the caravan era with the the facilities talking about openly about how they need a new arena uh, I feel like, you know, George and I were sitting around the office on Monday and I realized that you were about to go to or just starting a, a press conference and we were going through the agenda of the Board of Regents meeting and we we're like, oh crap, there's a, there's a big basketball thing in here. Uh, make sure you ask Porter about this and you're like, okay. And I feel like I just set you in front of a firing line because Porter really didn't seem to ha want to have anything to do with a little bit of a, a lipstick on a pig upgrade to the Lloyd Noble Center. Absolutely not, and I think he appreciated that I said, hey, I know you're worried about Kansas City, but this is coming up. This is going to be approved. What's sort of your uh, your uh, take on it? And, yeah, he's like, I want all money, all funding from this point forward needs to be toward a new venue, $9.5 renovation to the locker room and stuff. No, that doesn't mean anything. That's not going to help. And to me, that just says the process of finding the new venue is going to take a while. It won't be an overnight deal. It's not going to happen, you know, when this 
next recruiting class is like a senior. It still isn't going to happen. And so you're just trying to not get too far behind because they, oh, they, they already are. And so now it's like, you know, we can't keep up with the Joneses like we are with football. That's never going to be a realistic thing that we can try to do. But let's not get so far behind to where we're not even competitive when we're looking at portal guys, when we're looking at, you know, top 50 recruits in high school. And, and it's kind of like what that's how I phrased it too. And I've been asked, putting the lipstick on a pig just to try to get through. And then if you start hearing about a location or a date on a new venue, then, you know, obviously Porter will, will perk back up. But yeah, he's, he is not in favor of just, you know, throwing money just for, for the sake of, for appearances compared to actually making it worthwhile and going toward a new venue, especially after going to the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. After seeing that type of environment and seeing what that can mean, there's no doubt in my mind that his conviction about needing this venue has just gone up just another notch. I think the Moody Center would be pretty much built like the the proposed... Uh, yes. The proposed, you know, I-35 thing it's like a it's the city is in it with the university right they share it correct and i i think what a lot of people point toward with the moody center yeah well they're going to use that you know venue for a lot of other things they're going to get concerts galore and it makes a lot of sense would something like that in norman attract more than just the basketball 100 percent, 100 percent. well i mean to me like like everybody knows I'm a big music guy I like to go to concerts and stuff like every big city they have uh you know they have the arena you know they have the BOK they have the 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 Paycom but they also have like an outdoor amphitheater or something like mm-hmm. a, a lesser venue where during the summer people come in or they just play if, if it's like like a band I like like Third Eye Blind like they don't play all Paycom all the time like even Kings of Leon does a amphitheater tour in the summers so like I think it would take the, that. The killers are playing at uh, the casino down in Duran in a month. Yeah, I, that's a great venue down I've there. I've seen them. They're yeah. good. I've been to Choctaw to, to a concert. It's a great venue for music. But like, you have the, you have the zoo amphitheater, but that's mm-hmm. kind of like you think of the zoo. You think of oh, Godsmack's coming to Oklahoma City again. Uh, it's like they they don't have that new fresh kind of you know place. And I think Norman could could. Uh, they could be my, that. My mom saw the police and uh, Bon Jovi at Lloyd Noble when she was in college. My first ever concert was Loverboy uh, at Lloyd Noble with the Hooters <laughs> opening up. First time I ever smelled pot in my entire life. I think I was probably a sophomore in high school, maybe. But even Lloyd Noble seemed old and dated then. Like, I've seen I've seen Loverboy too. They opened for uh, Toto and Journey in Denver. I went and saw them. Oh, uh, I'm so old. Loverboy was the headliner. I saw thing. Michael oh, wow. W. Smith at an FCA concert at uh, the Lloyd Noble Center one time. Yeah, I can one up you there. I've seen Striper at Lloyd Noble. What is that? I don't. I've never heard of that. Go look up to hell Striper? with the devil. Yeah, it's S T R Y P E R. I'll take your word. I need like the last big concert there. I know they had some country ones, maybe in the last five years. They had uh, Flo Rida there when I was in school. Like it was like but a, that was a student, it was like a university. A, yeah, it was a university, university thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say me and Carrie need to go to Rocklahoma together. I saw that lineup. It's a little. I'm a little worried about the clientele there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> 
I think Godsmack is the headliner I, for for Rocklahoma this year. The only one I remember seeing at Lloyd Noble in college was Kid Rock, Buck Cherry, and Fuel. Was oh there. my God! What a, what a That's combination! Awesome. There you go. There's a trio. And we missed and we missed almost all of Buck Cherry because I think we were drinking in the parking lot, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, so that was. Uh, that that was a hell of a show. And you talk about a solid clientele. That was that was nineties wannabe metalheads right there. It's funny. All right. Uh Bob, uh, quickly, you want to update us on uh, what's going on with softball right now? I mean, uh winning streak, number one. Seems like they're getting the pitching figured out. Yeah, I mean there's balance just across the board, and that's what you know Patty was hoping for when she put this staff together. Alistair uh, uh, Staraco one night, Nicole May the next, Jordy Ball the another one. I mean, it is really working. He was eighty nine to five since that loss to Baylor. Not sure what this tournament coming up at Mississippi State's really gonna do for them. Just about keeping focus, just doing what you got to do. They're really shouldn't be any danger in the three day event that's about to happen but as we usually record wednesday next tuesday night florida state comes to norman and that will be that'll be the next big test to see where this team stands as as it is right now i believe the seminoles are number six in the country so that'll be a very nice little midweek spring break thing for people to try to get to but it's just been the the response that patty wanted to see is exactly what has occurred in the last two weeks just based on the hitting is coming together, the pitching is still there. You know, you can't get too high or too ahead of yourself, but they are looking exactly, they're on pace, the trajectory is going exactly to where they want it to be, to where they're peaking at exactly the right time here in the next couple months. It is sort of cool that, the Samantha Ricketts is the head coach for Mississippi State. I mean, I guess if you want to go all the way back to uh, kind of the beginning of, right? I don't know, like the dominant era of Oklahoma softball, I would I would imagine that Samantha Ricketts has to be a part of it. Uh, you definitely would believe so, and I'm sure that's going to get asked when we uh, talk with Patty again this evening because, like, really when you look at it, it – Mississippi State's a fringe, like, receiving votes type of team in the top 25. So there's not a lot of competition you don't you wouldn't expect. So, you yeah, you're going to be looking for a, a storyline like that. And it might give a chance to sort of see what some of the younger girls can do. I know, you know, Patty sort of kind of said it's like open tryouts at a couple positions throughout this first month of the season. Who's going to claim it? Who's, uh, who's going to earn it? And I think... That'll probably be one uh, one of my questions going into this weekend is how comfortable is she starting to feel with her lineup, with where they're playing playing out in the field. I mean, they're playing incredible defense, and their pitching is tr- is just off the charts through the first month of the, the season. But now it's about we're almost getting to conference play. Are you at a point where you you know this is the lineup I want to roll out? when Texas comes to Oklahoma City here in a couple weeks. 
All right, Bob, appreciate you joining us and uh, give us an update on everything. And uh, we'll be here probably to wrap up this year. Let me ask you real quick, uh, NIT chances if OU loses tonight? No, I do think if they win, maybe, maybe. And obviously, if they beat Texas, they'll definitely be be in it, I would believe. But they did get rid of that 500 rule. I was wrong about that last week. That rule doesn't exist. You don't have to be 500 or better to qualify. It just never happened. They've never gone to a team that's below 500. And then you say, well, we've never had a Big 12 like we've had this season where a team might deserve that honor even if they are. But, yeah, you got to beat the Pokes. you got to beat Longhorns. And then I think they would definitely be playing going into next week. All right, Bob, appreciate it. We'll uh, catch back up again next week uh, on the Unofficial 40. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. By the way, uh, some exciting stuff. Exciting for us uh, coming up uh, next week. Uh, Eddie uh, has been working with me to come up with a, uh, a softball shirt. Uh, and uh, it's it's interesting. I actually told uh, some people, everybody I've told at OU has thought it's a great idea. Um, I will tell you exactly what it is, but it's also an idea that probably the the Patty Gasso would not like her girls representing. It's a it's a little. Uh, George is looking at me like shit. What are we getting ready? Yeah, to do? Yeah, nothing crazy. Yeah, no, no, nothing crazy. crazy. Yeah. But it's a little braggadocious. Not taking I, I like say. a stand against abortion or anything yeah. with a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not celebrating the New York yeah. Times here. No, it's, it wasn't the New York Times that came in and tried to like ask about abortion at the oh uh, yeah yes, yes. World, World Series. Yes, yeah. no, it, it's a fun shirt that I think a lot of people will really. Uh, I think embrace. fans will love it. I think fans people are going to embrace it, and, and I think it's going to be like a, I think it'll be big. Uh, you know, the the Lindsay Street thing was really big. I think this thing could be even bigger. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to take the money from the shirts and we're going to use that for NIL with the softball team. And we're going to go out and sign deals with them each individually. So you're actually, because they can't really, it's like, we, you can, we talked about this on the pod before. It's like, since they're not promoting the shirt, it's not their image or likeness. There's not really an NIL deal to be made. But what we can do is make a really cool shirt that everybody gets behind uh, and they're like, they'd buy it even if it's not for NIL purposes, just because they love softball uh, and they love the softball team. Uh, but it's a slogan that I think you've seen out there a little bit from Eddie on his Twitter account. We made it into a T-shirt uh, and then we're going to sell them. So those will be here next week. We'll, we'll get pre-orders going. Uh, we'll get some of the shirts in and, and we'll see how it goes. But we're hoping to raise it's it, Look, this is something that we want to keep trying out things uh, for NIL. And this is something that I think that could be really big. Uh, and you know, could put some money in, in everybody's pocket on the team, everybody that wants to sign up for it. So looking forward to getting that going. Uh, we'll be doing it on SoonerScoopStore.com, so want you to go check that out. Um, all right, a big recruiting weekend, Josh. Your time to shine. Uh, you know, Junior day, uh, a lot of good things came out, a lot of write-ups from you. Uh, you had some, some stuff in Woke today, more to come, but uh, where do you want to start first with this, with this Junior day that you just had? Well, I, I think you have to start with the guy that I think a lot of people expected maybe a decision from by this point in the week, and that's Michael Hawkins, the uh, quarterback from Frisco Emerson uh, there in Dallas. A you know, a guy that, from everything I've gathered, visit went well. Uh, he was there at the end of January as well. Uh, now, what was interesting is Oklahoma offered his brother, Malik Hawkins, um, 
the you know both of course are the sons of former Oklahoma corner Michael Hawkins from the uh, 2002 class. So what I was told, and I actually spoke to Michael Hawkins Sr. Um, and he told me they they weren't expecting that offer to happen. They didn't think it was going to. Uh, they'd been sending you know Jay Valai and the Oklahoma staff you know different workout videos and some of the things that Oklahoma had voiced they wanted to see from Malik. I think that is a pretty good indicator of what's happening in the direction this is moving in, kind of like Eli Bowen, uh, Oklahoma making Eli a real uh, a focus kind of last summer. And I, I think you're going to see similar things with Malik Hawkins. I feel like Michael Hawkins is a any day now kind of announcement. You know, it, it, it could go at any point. Um, I still feel good about that, that eventual choice being Oklahoma, but it, it like anything, when you feel like, okay, now it's time, the longer it drags on, you do start to wonder, like, oh, you know, is this going to get put off? And is that, does that change the dynamics a little bit? I don't think that's the case. I, I would guess by this time next week we, we know where Michael Hawkins is headed. But we'll see. I mean, it, like I said, it's, it leaves a little doubt that that, that hasn't already happened because it kind of felt like it was going to. He's almost I, – I think I've almost kind of come around to this idea, Josh, that like – and this by no means am I taking a shot at the kid. I, I think that some people might take it this way. But he's like a perfect – that perfect uh, off year, if you will, behind Jackson Arnold. Like still an extremely talented quarterback. But I think like if we're all being honest about what we feel like the future of the program is, you wouldn't – I don't know. I, I, in a way, I almost wouldn't necessarily expect him to take a whole lot of snaps or meaningful snaps at Oklahoma. Is that unfair? I, Sam Bradford's punching you in the face right now. <laughs> Why? Because <clears throat> everybody said the same thing about Sam Bradford when he came in. I wasn't. I said he was going to win Heisman Trophy. <laughs> hey, one guy on this pod at least predicted a multi-year starter for him. So I, 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 can, I can take great solace in that moment of pride. But w- what I will say about Michael Hawkins is – He's, and I don't think you're wrong, Eddie. I think there is something to be said of he's the kind of guy you want to take in that every other year model. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Like uh, in, in what we see, because Michael Hawkins has a ton of upside. Like he's one of those, you know, we were talking last week about the draft, about guys, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, these guys that are just have a lot of physical ability, but maybe haven't refined the tools yet. That's what I would say for Michael Hawkins. And this is a kid that he spent time around, um, you know, coaching. I was talking to his father about how he got into quarterback play, and it was him hanging out with, like, Jason Garrett and Tony Romo and, you know, all these these Cowboys players while Michael was playing for the Cowboys. And they were, you know, kind of telling Dad, hey, man, he's got an arm. You should, you should put him out there. And it just kind of became – like, he just kind of fell into being a quarterback because he was talented. And – when you watch him, I see parts of his game where you can tell he's really worked. Like his footwork in the pocket, very good. 
But he's, I think more than anything, it's finding a way to be repetitive in his mechanics. Sometimes when he throws, you'll see him drop his elbow. Like, they're just little things where you can tell, like, he just needs to throw more. He just needs to get a consistent motion where every single time the ball's coming out the same spot and he's throwing it the same way over and over again. I think if you can get that, then you have, you know, you might have something. You might have a guy that really does go beyond what you're talking about, Eddie. But at the same time, he's a good he's a good enough athlete that you can do some stuff with him. You know, kind of like what we saw a couple of years ago um, with uh, oh the the kid from um, oh the quarterback at Dallas that, that played in the uh, the Big Twelve game that's now at TCU. Uh, I'm just blanking Morris? out on his Chandler name. Morris? Chandler Morris. What's that? Yes, Chandler Morris. I just went totally blank. Where you could do some stuff like that, where you can put him out there and he can make some incredible plays and plays with his feet. And he's more than that. I don't want to make him sound like he's just an athlete playing quarterback. I think there's potential there, but you're right. He's a, and honestly, he's probably better than 98% of schools would have any reason to hope for in a year like that. Usually it's like a three star that, you know, is a guy that's a program guy or whatever you want to call it. This is a really talented guy that I think in the right setting could become a high-end quarterback, but he needs a lot of work before he gets there. You know, it, I, I think it's hard to kind of fight the perception of that game being on ESPN, him going against Jackson Arnold, Allen not being all that good. Like, it, if you're – you know, thinking about, oh, how good is he? If you saw him on ESPN, you're like, I don't like that kid that much. He doesn't seem like just kind of reminds you just physically, you know, stature wise of like a Malachi Nelson, where it's just like the, the football looks bigger than him at times. He's just got to, he's just got to mature and age a little bit. He, he's an incredibly lean guy. I mean, he's a big, long guy. And I mean, and Kerry, you probably remember Mike Sr. when he, like, Mike was skin and bone. Yes. Like, I mean, he, the, so, like, I would expect. I mean, he was homeless, some, so. Yeah, and again, and, uh, you know, for those that don't remember, you know, his father just came from an unbelievable, unbelievably hard background. And for him to go where he has and do all the things he's done, and he and really has set up his sons for this amazing possible future for themselves. It, it's, it's pretty wild that he's gotten to where he has. Um, I don't think I the actually, homeless guy that lives outside of our office is going to make it. Not, no. not at OU. <laughs> and I mean, I think he'll continue to live. Story, talking about Lebby earlier, I was talking to his dad, and he was saying Lebby was actually his neighbor. Uh, their freshman year at OU, they were next-door neighbors in the dorms. And, like, he Lebby, while he was old Miss, kind of heard about Michael Jr., and it didn't put it together initially. Huh. You know, he just heard it was Michael Hawkins from Dallas. And he didn't put it together that that was the the Mike he knew that was his kid, and Mike didn't really realize how far Lebby had gotten. Like they'd just kind of gone in different directions. But you know, he was talking about just knowing Coach Lebby, and you know, back then knew he was going to be a coach because he was just such an immature guy and kind of got it. And um, you know, so it was just interesting kind of having that conversation as comparing you know where they were, God, twenty years ago, and now where they are now. So. Um, but yeah, again, I like where OU is with Hawkins and there's a lot of guys to go over. So we'll, you know, we'll get into some of that, but, um, I, I will say just in short, I thought it was a hugely successful weekend where Oklahoma really did put their best foot forward with several guys. Well, uh, and let me just ask you, I, I, we know that the staff is always impressive. They make a great impression on, on kids. 
Uh, do you get a sense that, you know, it, it's kind of like with the, the spring game, like last year Brent was able to sell everybody, 75000 plus, uh, picks up a top five class. Now that he's six and seven, is it a harder sell for these kids, or uh, is it just still relationships, personality, or winning out right now? I, I think it is. It's relationships and personality. And in a normal setting, I would say that you're dead right. And and I I'm surprised that I'm saying this that I don't think it's hurting OU in the way that I thought it might because that's what Brent talks about all the time. You know, is if this is a relationship driven recruitment. We don't have to worry about some of the things that a bottom line kind of recruitment has to deal with. You know, like, it, it, guys, let's be honest, under the previous regime, if, if Lincoln Riley had fired out a six and seven, that would have been dramatically a problem because that's not the way he recruited. And I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. I'm just saying when you focus on mom and dad know me and know me well, they know my story, they know my history. Um, you know, it, it changes that dynamic a little bit. One, one of the kids, uh, we, we've got a story on him, uh, Joseph Jonah Ajanye, a uh, big kid from Conroe in the North Houston area, uh, was talking about the things that surprised him. And I've, I've got some of this that's actually going to go in the scoop on Friday. But he was talking about not knowing about Brent's religious beliefs and like how like he clearly, and it doesn't surprise any of us, but he clearly puts it in front of these guys on these visits. They know about it. They're aware of it. It's not something that he kind of, you know, like, oh, if, if it feels like it's the right thing to say to that recruit. Like maybe um, at times Gabe Dindy was that way with OU. And I, I don't mean to say the whole staff felt that way. But there were times when I think they played up the FCA thing. And then other times that wasn't the best pitch. So they went in a different direction. Brent just is who he is. He's going to recruit the way he recruits, and that's going to make them lose some guys. It's going to make them, you know, put them in a position to get some guys that you wouldn't think normally were possible. So I, I think they're going to be fine. But, there's, I mean, there's no question. There comes a point when you can't just keep selling relationships and you got to have some results. And I think this year they need to start showing the movement in that direction. But it does seem like recruits are willing to forgive what happened in year one. Well, and I think there's just so much buy-in with track record and what these guys have been able to do. I, you know, that was something that a bunch of the uh, the transfer guys talked about, and the first time that we talked to them here a couple weeks ago, uh, Brent Venables has coached too much football. He's won too many football games and had too many successful defenses. Um, you know, and maybe even you could throw in Todd Bates and uh, everybody on the defensive side of the football as well. That it's just like they the the track record there. They haven't forgotten how to coach. And, you know, I, maybe it's an excuse from the Oklahoma side of things, but it often was probably react, reactionary just as far as the way that we viewed some of the, uh, I don't know, missteps from a year ago, right? Like, it, it just like, it, it seems like when they're selling what they have been on the defensive side of the ball specifically, it's obvious, yeah, we know we have to get better. But look what we've done in the past. We're going to get there. We have a vision for what we want to do. And, you know, I, I think that that's why it's it's almost in, in a way, too. It's like with a guy like uh, the Williams Inwinary kid. In no circumstances would I think that he was going to be a guy that Oklahoma could end up with. But with this staff, I almost give them somewhat of a chance. Like, it's almost like it'd be a surprise 
if they weren't able to go out and improve the defense and then continue to recruit at a very high level defensively. You said that name like it was almost like somebody dared you to eat like one of those Reaper chili. <laughs> I was scared. I've literally been looking at it for the last 20 minutes it, before I got it. I don't think he nailed it. No. Oh, In Winari? Did. In Winari? In Winari? Well, Josh was YouTubing it earlier. In Winari, I think. In Winari. In Winari. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. yeah. We're good. Josh, I give have, him ten minutes I, and ask him to say it again. Let's see. Yeah, that is. Yeah, we, we need to revisit that because I'm with Carrie. There was definitely fear in Eddie's. No, heart there was. That, I'm not. I'm not that. saying that there wasn't fear. Have any of you done one of those ghost pepper challenge things? No. No. I'll do it though. I'm save it, it for the YouTube channel. I think say so. that sounds like that sounds like summer YouTube content right there. That's perfect. No, go ahead, George, if you had a question. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, I just, uh, Josh, I know we've we've heard a lot about, um, obviously, Hawkins, and, and like you said, it feels imminent that that's going to happen. Was there anybody else from this weekend that you feel like is maybe close to, um, you know, pulling that trigger, I guess, for lack of a better term? The the guy that sticks out is, is a local kid, and that's Xavier Robinson at Carl Albert. Um, you know, talking to him, when a kid just comes out and says, and you don't even have to ask him directly, like, I thought about committing or, like, I was thinking about it. And you're like, whoa, okay. Like, you know, it just – it takes – I mean, you guys know how that is when you'll be in an interview and, like, you think it's going to go one direction and it goes so perfectly to where you and your professional aspirations want it to go. But it, it was – I mean, you're like, holy cow, okay. So, you know, you, you kind of took that and just – we started talking about it, and there's no question. I think um, Iowa State being his first offer, very meaningful to him. They've built a lot of trust with him. That's a word he uses with Iowa State a lot when he talks about them is just trust and his his belief and what they're telling him. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he grew up an Oklahoma fan, and he's sitting there talking to DeMarco Murray, and they're telling him, you know, what a great fit he would be, and he's he is a – you know, you talk to the folks at Carl Albert, like he is the kind of, he's a locker room guy. You want him on your team. He's exactly the kind of guy Brent Venables loves. Hard worker, good football player, tough kid, but going to do everything his coaches ask, not going to complain. He is, he's just that kind of guy. And so you can just see that, that relationship, just like they're perfect for each other. Like it, it, I, I put in a forecast after he and I got done talking because there are certain guys and, you know, Eddie, you've done it a lot talking, you know, to various recruits. I know, Carrie, you know, when you did, did a lot of recruiting, there are guys you talk to and you're like, this feels like an OU guy. That feels like an OU guy. That feels like who I'm talking to is a guy that is, you know, part of that program, buys into what their beliefs are. So I, I think he's one I would keep a really close eye on. Um, you know, I mentioned the Joseph Jonah Jeanier kid from uh, Oak Ridge and Con Conroe. He, I, I can't under, I can't overstate how much he enjoyed his visit. He loved it. It went as well as it could have. He's already talking about when he's going to go back. The only real hurdle for him is his mother wants him to stay close to home. And he's been to A&M multiple times. And for those that don't know, Conroe and College Station, that's, that's like an hour. You can do that real easy. That's a, that's a quick little trip. Um, so I don't know how easily that can be overcome. But I do, um, I, I do think that Oklahoma is in a good spot there. And I guess just finally, because I'm afraid if I don't mention him, people are going to be like, what the hell? The Williams-Lanary kid, 
big defensive end. You know, some people have him as a top five player in the country. I think he's. I think that's where he belongs. I think Rivals has him at twenty right now. Uh, some of the composites have him more like five or six and that kind of stuff. He is an elite talent. And um, from people I've talked to, I have not had a chance to talk with Williams yet. I won't pretend I have. Uh, still trying to work that out for an interview with him later in the week. But he is a guy that, talking to one source, they just basically said if he picked today, it would be Oklahoma. And if you talk about that and you could make your bookends of the future, Nwaneri and Adabare, not only is that going to be a real problem for Toby Rowland and, and the Booth guys, but that is a that's a pair of defensive end OU's not had in my time covering Oklahoma football in twenty something years. Like those are legitimate few you know, if, if everything goes the way it can go, you're talking about first round draft picks, maybe top ten type draft picks. They're sure. that gifted. Trying to think like what is the best like is it Dan Cody and Jonathan Jackson. Jonathan Jackson. Mm-hmm. Maybe like what was who was opposite Austin English? Was Jeremy Beal opposite Austin was, English? Uh, yeah, that would have been Beal, and you would have had McCoy in the middle. So I mean, you know, you, that was a pretty. Well, Jimmy Wilkerson too was early with Dan. Yeah, Cody. you're right. You're right. Jimmy would have been. I see. Remember that national championship game. Right. Remember that national championship. They they played Dan Cody and Jimmy Wilkerson as defensive ends when they hadn't played there the entire year. Yeah, because Jimmy was still a linebacker at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that would be on the show. I mean, and that is you're right. I mean, that's an area where Oklahoma hasn't had, even when their defenses were playing really well, they weren't the prototypical guys like these two are. I mean, no, they had they had. I mean, what what fans are used to right now is you have uh, Eric Stryker and then you have uh, Obo Koronko. I mean, like. By the way, if you yeah. can if you can do Obaniah Okoronkwo, you can get in Inwinary, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I it, like I said, go, if you just type in his last name and pronunciation, there's a video on YouTube and that like Inwinary. It, Inwinary. Yeah. It's like Inwinary, and it makes you do this tongue movement that you can't. That you know, I I can't pull off. I'm not going to pretend I can. So, uh, congratulations to the talented individuals who can, but. I can't do it, but you can get close enough to be a reasonable facsimile, and he's not going to yell at you for screwing up his name on purpose. Yeah, 6'5", 255. Ed, I mean, ugh. And Eddie and I have seen him in person. Eddie, I feel like 6'5 is modest yeah. for him. He is a huge human being. No, he is, and he was he was down at the uh, OU camp, right? Like the, uh, yeah. the elite camp? Yeah, he, that same day with Nigel Smith, that yep. day it was him. Yeah, they were... It, it, like I said, I thought he was – I would have guessed at that point he was 6'6 or bigger. He is a big, big dude. Sure. And and well put together, too. Like, he, he's one of those guys that you can tell uh, even now – and this was a year ago, right? Well, uh, not even – it was less than a year. But, like, get him in a strength and conditioning program, it's, it's going to be incredible the transformation that his body will take even then compared to what it is now. Oh, I mean, and that's the thing with his length. And that's size. why I'm so excited to see what like PJ looks like in about three, four months. Oh, oh. yeah, because I mean, PJ's never done anything like that. Like Williams plays for a good program. I mean, Lee Summit North, obviously, Caden Green, same program. Sure. They 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 went to the state finals last year. That's a very good program. They they have a little more built in support, and you know, 
weight program and all that kind of stuff's a little more developed than where PJ's been. But I mean, you just look at the combine, look at PJ's brother, like the genetically it's there. Like he's going to go places that you can't believe. But Williams, I mean, he's listed at 255 on rivals. It wouldn't shock me at all if he's a 285 pound defensive end, you know, playing for OU in a couple years or, you know, or wherever he ends up. But I, again, to drive the point home, I, I like where Oklahoma is a lot. Um, I know several outlets have, you know, have not all gone so far as a prediction, but there's absolutely a kind of consensus feeling around the recruiting media that, that Oklahoma is the leader there right now. Was there uh, anything else you wanted to get out about uh, junior day, or do we need to talk about what's coming up on Sunday? trying to think if there's anybody else i have to hit now i will say just as a quick note i mean we're going to have more updates i'm still tracking guys down so i don't want people to think what's out there is all we've got um one of the big ones was edrick houston i mean edrick houston's a top 10 player in the country from georgia that oklahoma got to come in on an unofficial visit like that stuff no nobody's done that at ou in years like that's not a thing so it says a lot you know i know people have had you know i think you know, George was talking earlier, like, I'm surprised Todd Bates didn't get more. There are OU fans that are upset with Todd Bates, that think that he's not doing well. I'm like, give it time. He didn't land David Hicks. That doesn't mean it was unsuccessful. Like, most guys of their first class doesn't have a five-star in it. His nearly did. And frankly... Can we be honest about something? Yeah. I think the people that get upset about stuff like that are usually people that couldn't... They couldn't care less about recruiting. Like just the the process that it is, or they don't understand yes. it. They don't understand. Yeah, they, they, they just they want they just want to be able to go to work and say, "Yeah, well, you got a five star." Yeah, they they don't know anything about the nuances and that sort. Of like because guys, there's nobody in this conversation. There's nobody listening to us that thinks, "Oh, you got beat for David Hicks straight up." Now, what A and M did, it's part of the game. Like it is what it is. But let's not pretend that. David Hicks chose A&M because he liked the coaches and the program better. That's not what happened. Um, so, and, and that's fine. Like, whatever. That You know, water under the bridge. But I will say, Edric Houston, haven't heard a lot. I don't, I don't think, you know, like, oh, you jumped to the front of his list or anything. There, there's a long way to go. You're talking about a top 10 player in the country in the state of Georgia. We're not going to know a verdict on him probably until signing day. But Oklahoma getting him on campus – and I have heard that there is some belief he'll return for an official in the summer. You do those things, okay, now, now you're talking. Now you got a chance. Maybe you can do something crazy. And Edric Houston never has to play a game in the Big 12. Like, he, OU, to his eyes, is an SEC school just like Alabama is. It makes no difference. So we'll see. And I know a lot of people might say, oh, he's from Georgia. He's going to go to UGA. Look at the track record. Georgia does not lock down the state like people might expect. Even coming off two national titles, they recruit nationally very well, and they recruit Georgia just fine too. But it's not like LSU where you don't go into Louisiana and beat LSU very often. Lots of people come in. I think Alabama took the top – I know the top two, and I think maybe the top two of the, or three of the top five in the state of Georgia last year. So it can be done, but it's going to – obviously, it, there's some heavy lifting in front of OU. Uh, Josh, just quickly while we're talking about the defensive line, I know he wasn't here this weekend, but uh, are you ready to put to bed the uh, David Stone to Michigan State stuff with uh, 
what's his name, uh, Brandon Jordan, leaving for the Seahawks. I saw that this weekend. I'm just excited that there's a possibility of a more plausible contender to OU. Like, Michigan State, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't. I don't believe it. And I know he's been up there a bunch and that's cool. And maybe he'll shock me. And you know, David's a kid I've known since he was a freshman. Like, uh, and I, <laughs> I, I would never say this to him because it's not my place. Like, uh, you know, anybody that follows me knows, like, I just want to cover these guys, but I don't believe a kid from Oklahoma city is going to genuinely pick Michigan state over Oklahoma. I don't believe it, especially with Todd Bates and all the track record that OU has on the defensive line. And now you throw in the two guys he really knew at Michigan State, Marco Coleman and Brandon Jordan, are both no longer on the staff. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know it sounds like his A&M visit went really well. I haven't had a chance to talk to David yet. I'm really that's – a, that's a priority for the week as well. I'm trying to track him down. Um, so, I, I just I – I've never believed in the Michigan State thing. I just never really have. And I know there's people out there that have made predictions and – I know Chad Simmons is a guy I respect the hell out of, and he's been part of that. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong, and I'll own it if I am. But it's not dead set that it's Oklahoma. I just think it's going to be another school that will catch his eye um, outside of Oklahoma that, that either is a great program like Oklahoma or has a unique connection to him like Wisconsin because of all his family's connection and, you know, his uncle's playing basketball there. Like he has a special feeling about Wisconsin that he's talked to me about since he was a 14 year old and, you know, at Dell city, this is, this is not that. And I, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be Michigan state, but again, I'll gladly own it if I'm wrong. Is this just because you feel bad about all your Michigan state love? Like back in um, the 2000s? I mean, who is more acquainted and more aware of Michigan State to say that they are not of that level? <laughs> like, Michigan State doesn't recruit at that level. They, unless it's a Michigan kid or we're talking about basketball. We're talking about basketball and be like, best of luck, OU fans. You're not getting that kid. He's going to Michigan State. It's just the, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. Michigan State's a respectable football program. Oklahoma's a respectable basketball program. But compared to the other one in that sport, it's a, it's a non-starter. It's not a competition. And when you throw in that Josh, uh, excuse me, that David is a Oklahoma City kid that has a lot of affection for Oklahoma, goes to the campus all the Sister time. Sister goes there. And loves Todd Bates. Like, under the previous staff, I think David had some concerns. And I don't think that's a ref I, I don't think it's a reflection of, like, he loved Calvin Thibodeau. He liked Grinch. He liked the whole crew. But they didn't have the track record to say, yes, we're going to put you in the NFL. You're going to be the first-round pick that your talent says you can be. There's very few coaches in the country that can talk to Brent Venables and Todd Bates on that level. Like, the, the, There's not many that can match it. Are, are there going to be any uh, Deion Sanders battles with OU prospects? God, I hope so. Just so we can say his name as often as possible and just watch our <laughs> our listener just skyrocket, especially on YouTube. It'll go nuts. Um, like if we could get just start a war with Deion Sanders to where he just talks oh, about us or at least mentions us. That'd be great. Like George can be our, our Colorado insider from his time in Denver. <laughs> like he'll know. I love it. I love it. Just subversive as hell. Woody Page told me today this. <laughs> yeah, me and Woody, me and Woody aren't talking anymore. But you started a brawl with him. Fortunately, when you left. Yeah, I heard you Woody. Think? Woody Page said that. Uh, 
God. Jesus Christ. Is that wrong? Did I read that incorrectly? Doesn't matter. We're bleeping that whole thing bleep anyway. The second bleep consecutive week, you have a long bleep in the podcast. What was last week? Your wall. What you're going to do? You're going to go into Walmart and do something. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that that was uh, you know. I'm glad we I'm glad we bleeped that because that ended up turning out well for me. Again, this is uh, this is what my mom wanted me not to say on the podcast. So. <laughs> this is what she was worried about. Yeah. I'm sur- I'm surprised George even spoke there. He should have just sat in silence and be like, I actually wasn't there, Mom, for that part of the pod. I, I left. I, I had left gone to the restroom. While. <laughs> uh, okay, so are we are we through Junior Day? Because I got one more subject before we get out of here. Yeah. yeah uh, I combine. Think I think we all kind of sat around and watched. I don't know. You might have been in prime moving mode that weekend, George. Um, but uh, I, I was glued to it as I always am. Any... Just, I mean, obviously Marvin Mims running a four three eight is the highlight of, of all OU activity, of, unless you want to talk about the Wanye Morris injury. Yeah, um, I thought Marvin had a great day. Um, you know, we didn't get to see. Didn't we predict Eric Gray and Braden Willis, and neither one of them even ran the forty? So we didn't ruined even... our our prediction last from yeah. last week. I mean. So we'll have to watch for that on. I'm Pro dropping Day. Eric Gray to a four nine nine now. I was going to ask Josh, did you realize how? Um, I don't want to say small because Anton Harrison is not small, but I did see that his uh, wingspan was not as big as I think maybe some anticipated. I've never seen him before, so I didn't know. But I saw something too that uh, at his size, I don't think any any player has been drafted in the first round and played tackle with that small of a wingspan or something like that. I can't remember what it was exactly, but did you realize that, well, Josh? Well, there was a hiccup. So somebody reported his arm length at like 31 and an eighth or something, which is like yeah. not, almost not physically possible for a man his size. And then they came back and was like, no, it's actually 34 oh, and an eighth or something okay, like so that. So I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. And so 30, like 34 is completely fine. Like he, he, he can play ball there all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 31, like you're like, are you a carny? Like yeah. that, that's almost <laughs> unbelievable. And I, I didn't see it at the time. But as a, you know, and I know Eddie and Eddie and Carrie have been running him even more than I have, and obviously since I have, but I knew the kid in high school and would have told you there's no way in hell he's got 31-inch arms. He's, he's a fairly long kid. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that, was, that would have been an amazing thing if that would have actually been true. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, I missed that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it seems like he's moving up. Um, you know, maybe I, I think he's going to be a first round pick. You know, if a team falls in love with him, and there's a lot of teams out there that he's starting to show up on on first round. Uh, I mean, draft boards right now, or not draft boards, but you know, mock drafts. I mean, the Chiefs could take him at 32. I think the Bengals are at 28. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some teams that you know I could I would keep an eye on for him. And then I thought Jalen Redman had a really he was, yeah he had a really too. good day. And we I mean we've known he's sort of that freakish athlete, but it seemed like he. He did all the right things in, in preparing. I think he had um, a really good vertical and broad jump. If I think he was right towards the top, maybe one or two in that category, um, you know. And then also, you know, running the running the forty. And then you have the the kid the kids from Georgia. Uh, you know, some of those guys were just freaks out there. I, I think it was was it Nolan Smith. They like to race. Uh, yes, he <laughs> ran like a four four. It's like unbelievable. So. And I love the people that are like, hey, Nolan Smith, you know, like that kid, I, he didn't even have that great of a career. That dude was like a top five recruit in the country. He was number two, the number two overall player. Like, again, stars matter. Like, there's a reason these guys get rated like this because they are freakish athletes. And Nolan Smith is an absolute freak, like just just is. So, uh, 
but uh, you know, I, I did want to say um, it still blows my mind, and I know we've talked about it before. If Anton Harrison is a first-round pick, he will build, be Bill Biedenboe's first ever. That's Wild. crazy. That um, is crazy. Almost, and, almost unbelievable to a certain extent. It, it really is. And, and I would be interested to see if you talk to whether it's GM, scouting guys, or even like positional coaches, how, like, do they factor that? Like, look at, look at Creed Humphrey. Look at Orlando Brown. Right. Look at how well they're playing. Like, do they think about that kind of stuff? Ben and, Powers. Like, does, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I wonder how much yeah. that factors. I mean, to a certain extent, it's a little unfair because I think, like, just for instance, like, Creed is an all pro. And Cody Ford was second he round. Probably right? could have been a first round. He should have been a first rounder, right? Yeah. It like yeah. it. It just. I guess it's kind of like. I don't know. It, it. It's just a. It's a shocking stat. It's a shocking statistic that he's never had a first rounder. Well, and he had. I want to say there were a couple of guys at Tech that made a couple of Pro Bowls, like that were were his former guys. Uh, Luis Vasquez um, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played on the Broncos. He won the Super Bowl. Yeah, Cody yeah. Ford's the, probably the closest. He was a 38th overall. So just outside Creed, of the first round. Creed, I mean, I, Creed should have been first round. And then uh, Orlando, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. And then he had, remember, I mean, we talked oh, that, about this yeah. last pod. He just had such a terrible combine that he kind of dropped. Would he? But here's my question. Would, would Orlando, if, if teams could redraft now, would they still take him number one? I mean, nobody wants to pay him that big contract. I mean the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs don't have the money. I mean they're they're structured around Patrick Mahomes. They can't afford one of the biggest offensive, you know, lineman contracts in the league. Some I mean he's going to get paid by somebody though. It's just the NFL there's just not I mean it's one of those positions and everybody talks about it, but you know, left the tackle new running back. Yeah, I mean it yeah, it, it it's but there's not that many left tackles to go around. So like the Chiefs have been able to figure it out and they'll go out and get somebody or draft somebody and and they'll be fine because they have Patrick Mahomes. But, um, you know, as someone that covered the Broncos, they haven't figured out their tackle situation in, you know, since they won the Super Bowl. So it's it's tough. And, I, you know, I think that if you can draft one, you, you should, especially, you know, Orlando. I, I think he's going to be a 10-year guy in the league, at least. Wherever he finds a new home with not being uh, franchised or not being tagged over the yeah. course of this I mean, past Somebody week. will pick him up. I did run Easily. into Creed on Friday night. He was back. Uh, he just got back from New York City after taping the thing with uh, Saturday that Night Live. That was a great skit. Pretty good. Pretty pretty good. It didn't make the original. Uh, no, it wasn't live, in the show. But, yeah, but uh, I think sometimes they do that though, just because they know the it'll YouTube do so well part, on social yeah. media. Yeah, and so and it did. It blew up. So it was. Did awesome. you? Did you? Did he show you the key to Shawnee, Eddie? Or he hadn't gotten no. it yet. He hadn't gotten okay, it yet. If okay. that was the next day. Oh, they're having the big celebration. The big for... celebration. Yeah, that was the next day. I'm trying to think. Does Shawnee have like they they gotta have like one of the old style downtowns, right? Still. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, the last time that I was out there, it was somewhat. They just had it over at the Shawnee High School, though. Okay. God, if if your town is not between the high school football stadium and the highway, I have no idea what your town looks like. Now, you want to talk about high school stadiums? We can talk about those all day, but I. I think about that all the time. I'm like, Josh, where do you go when you go here? I'm like, man, if it's not between point A and point B, I have no idea because I'm just going to the next stadium. The weirdest downtown I've been through recently is Antlers. That's a weird place. It's like the buildings look like they're made out of dead bodies. 
It's just it's it's a very strange place. It's an odd that's way horrifying. to describe it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, just it's that's not like a... brick and it's not like cement. It's like kind of like bark from a tree. It's like all golden brownish. It's turdy colored. Pahuska was cool. Just didn't have a big statue of a pioneer woman. So you were if if they did, it'd be like the Harry Carey statue. There'd just be. The souls of small children coming out from underneath her. And nor should it. I, if, if she had a statue, I'd go tear it down. <laughs> well, now, like this, did this just, like, this is just a, a feud that has started like this last week? No, this has been years on okay. years. I let, I let my hate for her go. Why do we hate her? What, what have I missed? It's just fun. She to wouldn't. Hate well, women. no, because she wouldn't uh, invite us to uh, come do the uh, morning radio show from uh, the Redrum and camp or whatever. Mainly, people hate that she pretends to be like this this woman that lives out in the country when she's living off of massive oil and gas money, and then she went out of state to go to college and like was too good, but now she's back using Oklahoma like as a accessory. Yeah, I think it just had famous. more to do with her not letting us come up to do the show from her kitchen. <laughs> I don't really think it has anything to do with I that. Mean, that was my do you, personal beef. Do you think beef. that's a product of them being able to take advantage of how most people like assume Oklahoma is? They're like, oh yeah, everybody in Oklahoma has like a thousand acres for their family right. to go ride horses and like and that and herd cattle like, all day, and then their husband yeah. comes home to a, a hot cooked meal that I made myself. From a yeah, magazine. Anybody from Oklahoma is like, no, nah, they're rich as hell. Look at all that land. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, like that, that, they, we know. You ever heard of Phillips Drummond? It was a big oil company. Like, <laughs> I mean, they had their own college in Bartlesville, for God's sakes. Yeah, they do. Is that still going? I thought it shut down. I don't know. I you'd, Again, we'd have to ask, ask my dad. I, I have no idea. I'm sure they've talked about this to me a million times now the frank lloyd wright skyscraper is badass yeah we spent a lot of time out there uh murphy's hot hamburgers that's the best place to eat out there in bartisville if you ever head out there were they offended by august osage county the movie i don't think so (laughs) carrie you've asked me a lot of questions on the podcast that i really don't know the answer to (laughs) (laughs) huh i'm I'm, that's when he's that like that's when he's having the most fun is when he can force you into a corner your mom's going to have so much to say about these questions that I just asked you. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be too happy, but that's all right. <laughs> what about August Osage County, a movie about incest? It's fantastic. That happens in Paw Huska? No, but they are coming out with, uh, what's the one with uh, DiCaprio? Uh, oh, yeah, the, they shot in Guthrie. Um, they shot some of it in Bartlesville, pretty sure. Oh, it, what, no, that oh, was in Bartlesville. Is that the flower, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon? That's, yeah, that's yeah. The one. Is that not that's out yet? Book. That's still not out yet? I don't think so. I think it comes out maybe this summer. All right. Uh, everything goes through Harvey these days in Hollywood. <laughs> what do you get? Eighteen years? Yeah, I think so. For what? A misunderstanding? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, he's he's a scumbag. Uh, he he Eddie said his mantra this morning before the podcast. I knew he was going to be on one. What was the mantra? It's not laughs, it's gasps. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great line from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. All right. I th- right before Matt goes out on stage. Are we done? Anything <laughs> pressing to get out before we get out of here? A- uh, Eddie and I will be at a camp this weekend. We're going to see yeah, 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 yeah. Dallas. B- bunch of elite dudes should be there. It should be a really good camp. Um, I don't have – I don't have – they are they- – Under Armour is really good about getting you a list. I don't have it yet, so I don't want to 
you know, commit anybody that, that may or may not be there yet. But I would, if there's less than a dozen OU offers, I'd be pretty surprised. All right, uh, that's going to do it. We'll be back again next week for another edition. It's spring break edition of the Unofficial Forty Podcast. Cabo. Are we going to Cabo? For <laughs> no, I don't want to get kidnapped. That. No, no. No, that's that's just if you go to Monte de Morris or whatever. Monte Morris, Monte Morris. Like right across, we're not going to Brownsville. You would for get kidnapped. The cartel would find out how many followers you had on Twitter, and they as would much come and get business you. as I bring the cartel. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial Forty right here on SoonerScoop.com.